Yo, yo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your favorite campus uncle. And um, doing something a little different this episode. Unfortunately, um, and fortunately, my sister in pain, struggle, and victory uh, is unable to be with us this episode. Um, she's taking care of some things and um, have to respect that. Can't wait for her to come back. And um, the rest of the team is not able to join, but the show must go on. And um, this, to be and to be completely honest, this episode is kind of a spur of the moment type of situation. And you know, um, if anybody can join on, then they will. But I felt compelled to talk about a few things. And um, yeah, so let's just flow with it. But before I begin this episode, I want to take this time to acknowledge uh, the team. I want to take the time to acknowledge uh, my sister in pain, struggling in victory, Tamara, the Liberated Project chick, uh, whom I so dearly love and adore and admire. Um, I want to acknowledge um, the brains behind it all, <laughs> Nikita and um, Nikita's right-hand person, Nas. And I um, also want to acknowledge um, Jade, um, you know, who plays a major part in this team. Also a special uh, shout out to my brother who is technically like our IT person who takes care of the sound, the audio, uh, making sure that everything is crisp and making sure that everything is uh, easily understood in terms of the audio. So just wanted to uh, definitely um, give kudos to that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a long time. You know, um, so it's been a while since uh, our last recording. Um, life happens, right? And we're all guilty of that, you know? And, um, but um, here we are. We have something that we actually have to say. Um, there is something that I would like to discuss uh, and on this pod episode. And... Um, if you follow us on Instagram, which is FTLO underscore um, on Instagram, you would know that I went on live the other the other night, uh, just pretty much giving a preface uh, in terms of what are some of the things that I would like to discuss um, with you. And um, yeah, I'm going to talk about some shit today. Yeah. I'm going to talk about some shit today, some things that's uh, that's on my heart. And we'll start from, I won't say the least, but we'll start with things that are not that uh, close to me, but yet affect me. And then we'll move forward to the most intimate parts in terms of what's going on. Um yeah. So here we are, folks. Your favorite campus uncle bearing it all, <laughs> bearing it all. Um, and um, 
you know, here we are. So the first thing that I would like to acknowledge is uh, it's been a very trying uh, few days, weeks, months, you know, um, a lot of death. It's been like shootings every day, you know, uh, police brutality is at an all time high. I think we know that um, it's very much apparent. Uh, with regards to uh, us, and when I say us, I'm talking about people of color, black black folks, black and brown people, feeling like we are being preyed upon. And um, if you know anything about the history of law enforcement, you would know for a fact that uh, there is some racial prejudices and slavery ties towards uh, policing. And um, I start off by saying this, you know, law enforcement really isn't designed to protect black people. Never really has, you know. Um, it just so happens that now people of color are in law enforcement and, um, you know, they have this civic duty to protect and serve um, citizens, right? Now, I am a person that does believe that we do need policing. We do. Um, I won't go as far as to say that we should defund the police. I wouldn't say that because you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. You don't. But um, one thing that I do hold critical about policing when it comes to uh, communities of color is the fact that there needs to be better training. There needs to be more empathy there needs to be more sympathy and compassion and there needs to be some more discernment with regards to how police handle folks. Now, I'm not saying that they need to cuddle and coddle and cookie cutter people. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying or suggesting is that there needs to be some sort of patience. There needs to be some sort of um, I don't want to say discernment, but there needs to there needs to be like how you vet out a situation. Because like Charlemagne, the God says all the time, and I agree with his brother. Why is it always with us? Black and brown folks or people of color that policing has to go to an extreme. That young child, that 15 or 16 year old girl uh, that was shot and killed is a very peculiar case because um, you had a girl, 15 year old girl, who called the police because she was being threatened. She initially called the cops that ended up getting shot by the cops. Now, why is that? Well, if we really wanna be honest and real and transparent, the girl was about to stab another girl with a knife. And the cops reacted and they shot the girl. And if you heard the tape, you would hear the cops say, get down, get down, and all that other stuff, you know, whatever. But could the cops have done something different to avoid a fatality? Yes. Yes. I believe in my heart that 
if that were black officers policing that, she would be alive. I also believe that those who should be filled, that should have some sort of culpability or responsibility in all of this are those parents and those that were there too. We have to stop depending on police officers to always solve or resolve a situation or an issue that we could do ourselves. We can't be afraid of our kids. We can't be afraid of our community. Now, granted, if it's a threat and there's guns, yeah, you call the cops, right? You call the cops, but this is just a civil fight. This is just a fight between two, between a girl that, that you know, that felt that she was about to get jumped or was about to get jumped and has been jumped by these group of girls before, you know, and all she wanted was just some help, but things got out of hand. But that's one peculiar case. You know, that's not a black and white when I say black or when I'm talking about extremes, I'm not talking about color. That's 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 not a black or white situation. That's a gray area because there's a lot of questions in that. But then you got brothers like, you know, brother George Floyd, our beloved ancestor. And I'm saying Tamir Rice's, you know, the, just the list goes on and on about all these victims of police brutality. But the most recent is George Floyd with the whole um in the court case with the cop Chauvin, I don't know his full name. I don't want to really acknowledge his full name, but it's kind of funny. It's kind of interesting now that all of a sudden he feels that he was mistrialed and he's calling for a retrial, but I digress. But um, George Floyd, was there really justice with the verdict that they hold Chauvin responsible it's a start i think us as black folks we get so caught up in the fact that finally we feel as if like we won something we have to it ain't over until it's over one of my favorite movies characters rocky balboa used to always say nothing is over it ain't over until it's over and that's true here. Sure, he was found responsible and indicted and, you know, charged with several counts of whatever, you know. But now comes the sentencing. This man could get off easy. But we're so caught up in the fact that, yeah, he's been held responsible that we forget he still has to be sentenced. Here's a question to my college folk, college community. How do you feel about your campus policing on, you know, on campus? How do you feel about UPD or, you know, campus police? Do you feel safe? I ask that because eventually this is going to hit our doorstep. I believe so. Eventually, it might not be Buffalo, but another college area, something similar to UB or Buff State or, you know, Niagara University, Damon College, you know, something, you know, within our neighborhood. But there's going to come a time 
where something like that could happen. Do you feel safe? What can we do as a community to improve our conditions when it comes to law enforcement outside of a protest? What can we do? What do you want to do? It's always been my question. It's a question I never got answered. <laughs> Moving on to the next topic, shall we? Okay. So, um, it's funny that we talked about law enforcement. So, um, let's have a little brief conversation about protesting. Now, protesting to me is our civil right as Americans to be able to govern and, you know, and assemble as a body and, you know, um, be able to express ourselves, our discontentment with something. The problem is, is that we're all passion, right? All passion. I'm about to let my man Nas in this conversation. I believe Nas is on here now. Yes, I am. What's up? What's up? What's up? Nas, what's uh, good with you, man? Um, I'm good. Just, you know, just chilling here, you know, just doing everything that I got to do, tired from work yeah. and stuff. But, you know, but I'm grateful that, you know, got through the day and everything and stuff, you know, just getting and preparing for the next day that God has bring us about to bring us. How's everything with you, man? Everything is heavy, bro. It's heavy. It's, it's very heavy. heavy. Before you joined us, um, you know, I was just hosting a conversation. I just talked about the police brutality and, you know, just yeah. what's the resolutions or what are some solutions that we could come about with that. I, you know, approached the topic about George Floyd and was there really justice in that. I also talked about uh, the, the 15, a 15 or 16 year old girl that was shot and how that's such a peculiar case because right. it's fought on both ends of, you know, of the spectrum. Should the, should the cop, you know, have used extreme deadly force? No, but was it justified? Maybe so. So it's just, you know, just talking to the audience about that kind of situation. Um, but to answer your question, you know, it's it's been heavy, man. And I was right when you right when you entered into the call, <laughs> I was just about to go into this whole buff state situation. Well, yeah, I was hearing I was hearing some stuff about it too. Some new, some new information that kind of made me question a lot of things because it just really didn't add up in my mind. Now there's now there's the, you know for the past two weeks, Buff State has not been in the best of light amongst the public. 
right. know, just to, just so our audience can know. You know, Buffalo State has <sighs> Buffalo State has suffered tremendously in the public eye because of several different instances uh, that had occurred recently with the student body and with faculty and staff. Uh, to be more specific, uh, there was an incident with uh, alleged racial profiling with a student. There was also um, a faculty member who um, made the statement that she's tired of talking about Black Lives Matter. And she was saying this to a classroom, majority of black and brown folk, you know, and of course there was an uproar in that. And then obviously the, you know, the most recent, uh, the proposed, and I say that word proposed because it's not confirmed, but the proposed suicide of um, Sanaya Dennis. So, you know, these last two, three weeks have been very, very challenging for Buffalo State as a community and Buffalo State as a leadership. And, um, you know, I was about to broach the conversation about protesting and um, what protesting can do and what it doesn't resolve all the time. Um, and uh, so, Nas, I ask you, what, what what do you know about, not, not the girl, because the girl I'm going to tackle last, but what do you know about these first two incidences that I spoke about? One being the racial profiling and the second being uh, about the, the teacher saying that she was tired of talking about Black Lives Matter. So... You know, you know, as a, you know, as a graduate of Buffalo State, you know, um, and then noticing, you know, I, I graduated from there probably like three years ago. Yeah. And, and then I feel like when you, when you are graduating from there and I have already several, several of, you know, years on, you know, on your belt, you know, from being a college graduate, um, you know, I think you see things in a different light or you or either that or you just expect it. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, like because of I've seen not even just these situations, a plethora of situations that happen at Buff State, um, I'm just not really surprised because, you know, it's always something that that's going on and it's always been an issue, you know, especially with the student body and then with staff and faculty. And then, you know, it's just, it's just a many things happening. And, and I, as I view these situations, I can see how there's different stories and there's different initiatives. Um, and that kind of bothers me when I hear different stories because then it's hard to believe whether the original post is true so right. um you know especially like when it came out with that with that instructor um who said that you know that she was tired of talking about black lives matter 
you know, a lot of people was just, of course, outraged about what she said. But then other people were just also vouching at the fact that nobody heard of what she said before she said that. So, and I'm not really quite sure exactly what she said, but from what I've heard is that it was, I guess, a general conversation or it was just, you know, whatever that it was um, that led up to that statement. Mm-hmm. And how, and I noticed, and you notice in, in in social media too, or media in general, how you'll see one thing and then it gets misconstrued and people look at it in a different way now because of the way it has been presented. Right. So it, it's car, it's, I, I understand because when I heard, it, I was like, whoa, like, what? <laughs> like, she did not just say that during class. But, I had to really take a step back, you know. I was like, you know, let me not just go based off assumption. Let me see what else everybody like unfolds. I'm gonna see if anybody else has a different opinion. And I've seen some, even some of my friends, you know, they was, you know, posting and saying their own opinion about it and stuff. And you know, I was like, oh, I didn't hear any information about that, you know. So then, when you see other information being leaked out here and there, it's kind of hard to believe the initial post because, again, the misconception of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just hard for me to kind of like depict on how I feel about those specific situations when it comes to racial profiling at that school. So, um, just to give you more context to everything and more of a, I guess, more of a body of work, you know, to bring you up to speed. So, these two separate issues don't relate to each other they're you know they're two individual instances right right which caused for the students uh to rebel and to protest right and um so you have the alleged racial profiling and then you also have this white woman who is a faculty member saying this controversial statement in her classroom. And that just blew everybody over. And there was a community of students. And I won't just say that there was just black and brown students because I saw some white students out there too. And um, they all govern in front in front of the student union of Buffalo State College. And um, they spoke with two distinctive college officials about their grievances. And um, one gentleman in particular that was out there who was one of two of the college officials Right, was I? I. It's funny because I just recently saw this individual, and I said that he was the sacrificial lamb because, in my mind, and this is my opinion, the school needed someone to be the buffer. Right, and and they knew that this individual could handle those pressures. handle that type of pressure on him 
yes, it's him. And um, but this goes back to my question about protesting, because the biggest misconception about protests in my mind, not just on Buffalo State, but amongst the nation, is that you you assemble a large body of people, you make a lot of noise, you show a lot of signs, and you hope that's enough for you to get your point across. I think we're forgetting that, yes, that is, uh, protesting is, is a part of the process when it comes to trying to change things. But then there's also the formality of things too. Right. There is creating agendas and pushing forward your agenda, you know, um, meeting with the other side of the perspective that might not agree with you at a table to come to a consensus of understanding. You know what I'm saying like I look at the Dr. Kings and I look at even the Malcolm X's of the world, you know, You know, and even today I look at, you know, folks like Dr. Umar Johnson. I look at um, some of our other public figures like Jay-Z. I look at the Kanye Wests of the world. I look at the Khaled's. You know, I look at these public figures. And when it comes to protesting, the universal common denominator has always been whether it's with Colin Kaepernick and the protests or it's with George Floyd in a protest or even the protests at Buffalo State, even the ones at UB, there has to be a common denominator in terms of what do you want and do you have a plan to get it? So do you feel like that the student body who pro- who protested it at Buffalo State didn't have a plan. They just had action. Yes. I, so, yes and no. So, I believe that they do. They did have points. They did have items that they wanted to address. But on the counter, on the flip side of the coin. After those items have been addressed, then what do you do? Right, and that yeah, that's that was basically what my question was directed to. So basically, not basically not being able to follow through with your points. Right, because think because think about this. It's so protest protests to me for a common cause like the civil rights. That thing, the civil rights movement lasted years because there was a concerted agenda with the regard with the regards to the progression of black people right and there were martyrs for the cause I'm not saying that students have to die over this but what I'm saying is is that when people died the movement didn't stop Right. The the movement continued. So let's bring this down a notch and let's 
let's swing it over to college students. My biggest gripe with students when they protest is the fact that students graduate and when they graduate, they leave the problems there. They they, They leave the problems there for another generation to tackle it. But this, but this next generation doesn't have all the Carfax. Right. Mm-hmm. You talking? And I'm saying they don't have all the car. They don't have all the information. They don't know where they left off, where this previous regime left off. What the information they don't know. Right, because if you think about it, most of the stuff. Well, I know as for me, you know, most of the stuff that I experienced at Buffalo State, the students that are there now, it's either they just arrived when I left. Right. You know, and it's like, it's, they don't know, like you said, like the Carfax, they don't know the half of it, you know, so they're just acting off impulse because of what they've seen rather than what they know. Exactly. And I, so the individual who, I won't say he's behind all of this, like the protesting, but he was a, 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 a reason for it. I spoke to this individual directly mm-hmm. and I asked him if he could tell me if there was any parts of a previous agenda that he knew of that was taken care of by a previous by, by a previous class and he couldn't tell me. And I said, and I said, that's the issue. Because then the issue ends up repeated, repeating over and over because it's not being dealt with. Right. It repeats itself. And this, and the, 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 the college is not going to take it seriously because they look at it. Oh, this is the same old thing over and over and over again. It's going to go away. Right. These kids, they're going to, they're going to end up forgetting about it. Yeah. It's going to go away. We'll be fine. You know? And, and that's when I say like protesting, it's only a part of the game plan. It's only a part of the process. You got to get to the table or you got to bring your own table. I'm a, I'm an advocate (laughs) that says, fuck your table. I'm bringing my own. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to bring my own table and I'm going to bring my chairs. You going to sit at my table. You know what I'm saying we're gonna talk about what needs to be talked about, you know. But, but uh, you know, again, it, it it just goes to show whether it's locally here at Buffalo State or if it's a nationally known uh, movement with Black Lives Matter or whatever. There has to be a concerted and a concise agenda where there are things that you want to change and not only that you need to have an assembly of people that are necessary and want to fight this fight Mm -hmm. that know how to fight this fight you know like I, I challenge students at the Buffalo State campus where is the NAACP and they right. probably were and they probably were out there but i'm just saying like in terms of the grievances the most recent ones i'm not talking about the ones in the past because in the past the NAACP has addressed those right yeah they did you know but with the recent issues where where are you 
where is where are our students of color? Where, where's, where is, you know, the CSOs and the ASOs and, you know, the BLM, you know, the black active minds, like where are these student organizations and where is the assembly? I say that and I ask that because at the end of the day, the reality is that even though these causes are true and these causes do happen, eventually you are going to have to graduate. And when you graduate, those grievances graduate with you. So how do they graduate with you? Because they because they they created this issue and it leaves with them. It doesn't like it's not not everybody, not every generation or not every class was like Nikita's leaving it down with Gael's class. Here is the things that we're fighting for. And now I have to leave it with you. Here's the blueprint. These are the issues that you need to address. And then Gael's class follows through. Not everybody has that type of mindset. And I think when Gael's class, and when I say Gael, I'm talking about not this year, but I believe the year before. Right. Yeah. The year before last. So we're talking so what, 2020, 2019? Yeah. The concern with that class was the fact of we have this up and coming class coming in, but they don't know what the issues are. How are we going to get them to care about these issues? That was the that was the question. How are we going to get them to become convicted enough to want to address these things? Because at that time, you can see that those students who are now today were not informed. They didn't care. All they cared about was getting lit, having a good time, being amongst their friends. You know, that's all they cared about. They didn't really care about the issues that impacted or or could impact them in the present today. Right, exactly. And my, so the point that I'm making is, is how do we continue the fight towards a resolution of making a better experience for people of color at Buffalo State. So so I, I think about when you mentioned that, you know, when you graduate, that you take those issues with you. So when I'm thinking figurative, figuratively that if we're taking those issues with you, I feel like as I feel like as me being a graduate from Buffalo State College, I think if I'm taking that with me and I'm seeing those situations still happen, then I then feel obligated or should feel obligated to be able to pour back into that, those situations. Um, but the thing about it is the fact that I'm gonna really keep it about with you. And this is probably almost every single person that graduated from Buffalo State already, is that once we gone, we gone and especially for those students who are from new york like me and like like i said like you know when i graduated from there i barely went back to campus i was still in buffalo but i barely went back to campus like you know because it you know for whatever reason i'm not really for sure as to why like nobody really goes back 
I think it's I think it's for numerous reasons. <laughs> but speaking directly to this specific situation, I think it's really important to be able to um, to stand behind those students who are at the forefront in which we were at when we were at, we were at Buff State. Right. And stand behind them and be able to support them, which I'm not going to lie, which has definitely happened because when this whole situation came out, even with, you know, this, this suicide with the world, well, the potential suicide with the student and then the all, the all the other situations, it was students who already been graduated even before me were sharing it, you know, posting it, saying what they're saying. This is not right. Tagging, you know, tagging all these different big social media spots to really say like, yo, like Buff State really wilding. Like yeah. somebody need to get them. And you know what's so funny? I was looking, I was like, damn, like why are we posting the Shady Room? Why are we posting World Star? But <laughs> to be quite frank, <laughs> we needed to do that. Well, they, well, I feel like people who graduate feeling they felt the need to do that because even when we were there, shit never happened. Right. So, you know, I thought about. It, I was just like, yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, like that makes sense now because it's just like we can sit here and post it all day, but what's really going to be done? Right. Yeah. And, and you make a you make a valid point. You make a valid point uh, with regards to uh, taking the issues and trying to float them around as much as possible for exposure, right? Right. Because I I, I can recall, you know, uh, a certain class that was upset because their grievances didn't really grow any legs. Why? Because there wasn't really any sort of social media exposure to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, there, you know, and we already know that once it hits social media, it grows legs. Mm-hmm. You know, and it goes. You know what I'm saying? I think when we talk about being uh, resolutions, um, coming from a solution-focused mindset, what are the things that we can do? I have two things, and this is for the audience, right? And for those who will listen, the first thing is is that I believe. Buffalo State for the longest has a lot of different, they, we have a vast amount of graduates that come from Buffalo State. You can go anywhere, you can go anywhere across the country, you can go in any city, you're gonna run into someone that has graduated from Buffalo State. Mm-hmm. And we're the smaller college compared to UB, but there's been so many that have come through Buffalo State and they're all over this country. I think mm-hmm. I think that what's needed is we truly should really establish a more concrete alumni connectiveness. Like there needs to be a stronger alumni connective tissue, right? especially for people of color, because when we as alumni hear about these issues at Buffalo State, we should be able to, in some capacity, help assist in any way that we can that is convenient for all of us to execute the agenda for these students, especially if we agree with them. But I feel like it just goes deeper than that because being being an alumni from from Buffalo State, you think about, you know, I know I know we I know I I've said this before when I was, you know, when I was an undergrad, 
you know, I was like, you know, I can't wait, can't wait to leave Buffalo State and whatever. And then once you graduate, you get these all these alumni emails and stuff like that, which everybody ignores. And when you think about it, is that like you think about your experience that you had at, at, at Buff State and it may not be, it may be the best experience or it may not be the best experience. Right. However, you think about it and from a lot of people say that, you know, like, you know, yes, we created friends, we created, we created our own experiences, but then getting that specific college experience from a college that is deemed to be the black HBCU or the SUNY HBCU correction. Right. Um, I know personally me, I don't feel like that I got the experience that I wanted, especially some of the things that I've dealt with or my class has dealt with, you know, when we were, you know, on the yard, you know, so I'm thinking as an alumni, how will I feel more encouraged to support and provide for my school, my school that I graduated from if I didn't get that experience to do so. Yeah, right. And, and, you know, you think you think about it like HBCUs, right? You mentioned Buffalo State being the quote unquote SUNY uh, HBCU, right? Um, or the closest thing to it. Right. HBCUs have such a have such a rich tradition that everybody finds a way to become a part of, whether it's through bands, whether it's through student clubs, fraternities, sororities, you know, everyone is entrenched. Whether you are an extrovert, introvert, it doesn't matter. You find your habitat in an HBCU and it makes you connected. It makes you want to invest Yes. It yes. And that's what invest. Buffalo State lacks. Right. So it go again, this just reaffirms my point. There needs to be a stronger alumni connective tissue that that binds both the old and the young. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I believe that there are so many different kinds of traditions that Buffalo State has that you can speak to somebody from that graduated within the 80s and the 90s, even in the 70s, and they have something in common with today's generation. Mm. You know, whether it's CSO, ASO, you know, whether it's certain events, there's certain things, you know, that you know, that, 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 that glues them, that gels them together. So that's one, that's one thing that I, I believe that can help uh, bring awareness to these issues or help bring awareness to issues that current students have on campus. The second thing is, is I believe, hold on, I just lost my train of thought. Hold on, Nas. Hold on, Nas. I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose this. I had a had a good one. So it was first the alumni, the second. Damn it! Hold on. It was a good one. Damn it! It'll come back to it'll come back to me. But um, nonetheless, students need to feel supported, but also students need to feel invested in these issues, whether they are older, younger. You know, there needs to be some sort of an investment. And, and it does, and but it but it's hard to get that investment when 
the school that you attend is not providing that experience. So how, like I said, how can I be encouraged to provide the investment if the school did not give me that type of experience? I mean, I'm not saying that it had to give me that HBCU experience, but at least give me that experience where I know that I could rep my school proud and would say I went to the Buffalo State. You hear people say I went to the illustrious Morgan State University, you know, all yeah. these things because or they take the Ohio State, you know what I'm saying? Exactly, the Ohio because, State. because they take pride because of the culture that is created. And I feel like the culture at Buffalo State has not been solidified enough for people to say, okay, like I went to Buffalo State and I'm proud by it. You know, I, I you know, people wear it on like, you know, on their, on their cars, on a, when their license plate, stuff like that. I know for me, I don't want to wear anything buff state on my car because I don't feel like that. It's not a sense I'm of pride. pride. Yeah, it's not a sense of pride. It's not. It's not a sense of pride at all. Even when I went to, you know, Kanisha's for our masters, it's no sense of pride because there's no sense of culture. There's no sense of tradition. It's like the, the campus life has diminished so much and it's not being taken into consideration the way that it used to be. I remember my freshman year, like, I, you know, I was, I'm not gonna feel like I was always, you know, worried about going out partying or whatever and stuff. And I really didn't get to really take in the moment of the campus life until my sophomore year. And, you know, but then as I was getting to my sophomore year, junior, senior year, it was just diminishing, diminishing, diminishing because it wasn't, it, nobody solidified it enough, you know, or the school not solidified enough. And, you know, there's some people that, that did put their foot in, you know, foot in the door and say, hey, this is what we're offering and this is right. what we're going to do. Yeah. You know, but then again, you also you also got to understand that some people really did not come to college um, for that experience, you know. And I feel like especially for people coming from New York all the way up here, I'm telling you, half of those people did not come to join any clubs or organizations. Like they came for that college experience and turn up the individuality, all those things and stuff like that. So yeah. it just comes to a point where, you know, I didn't get that from Buff State. Like, you know, I was, you know, before I went to Buff State, I was supposed to go to Delaware State. Yeah, and yeah. that was my dream school. It was an eight. It's an HBCU, yeah. not far from New York. You know, and they and their pride there is heavy. You know, and when I went there, they had the, they had the um they had the cheerleaders, they had the band. I was at a football game, and I loved it. I was just like, yo, like I gotta go here. Yeah, yeah. But you know, but it was just a lot more cost effective for me to go to Buff State. And, you know, my principal was begging to go to Buff State. Like, you got to go, you got to go. And that's when Bradley, because I went to school with Bradley at high school. And and she's like, yeah, Bradley's over there. You got to go. You know, like, you know, it's a good school and everything. And I applied and, you know, and I got there. But now that I noticed what I needed to get from that, from a college that I wasn't really receiving. And now I live in Maryland and I'm covered by HBCUs. And all of my colleagues, they went to Howard. They went to Morgan State. They went to Virginia Union. They went to Virginia State. They went to all these other different HBCUs. And I'm saying, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm wearing, I'm wearing my homecoming shirt like as if like you really had a homecoming, right? right. <laughs> you know. So it's not that sense of pride that you get from other schools that people right. were are looking for, right? Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored for my co-host, the Liberated Project Chick. It's def- 
I'm, I'm not gonna say where she is because I know right, where because she is I was right about now. To be like, where she is right now? I wish I, I was there. Um, I guess I'm gonna try to show y'all what I'm doing. Um, in here. Like only here they, they can see the only, can only see. like <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Tamara is living her best what, life. What I'm doing? How about that? But she anyway, doesn't even um, know what's going on so, right now. Look, look at this. Look at this. I we can't I, I I'm not going to express where she is, but I just know for a fact that I am jealous. <laughs> I'm super jealous. I am jealous, but I am honored uh, to know for a fact that she has poked her head in to this mm-hmm. conversation and to this pop right now. Um, Tamara, how are you? I'm great. I miss you guys so much. Um, I wanted, yeah, I just did want to pop my head in. Um, clearly, I'm out, uh, out, and so I'm in Vegas now. Um, so my sister is having a milestone birthday, so it's turn up city. So we're just really here, you know, celebrating my sister and things like that. But I want to say hello and, you know, just again to, you know, all of our listeners, all of our followers. Um, you know, thank you, you and um, for to you and Nas for holding it down. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, there's just so much that has to be said. Um, there's so many things that um, we need to be paying attention to and not keeping our, you know, taking our eye off the ball. And that's one of the things that, if nothing else, for those of you that are listening and that are watching, that's the one thing that you can always be in expectation of for from for the love of no matter who is ready we're always ready you're gonna give somebody and we're gonna come and we're gonna give it to you straight we're gonna give it to you with some real content then we're gonna leave you with some things to think about so that and that's when mary had a little win <laughs> oh listen on mary had a little listen you know i'm gonna what? tell y'all y'all had little, a little, y'all, little slang slogan things <laughs> yes mary had a little lamb listen mary. where the money reside where the money reside where the where, money where reside, the money where reside. reside. <laughs> tamara you're lit right now you are super duper lit <laughs> See, i need to be like i need to be like her but i, I got work work in the morning she's in here in vegas and stuff yeah Yes. Yeah. Listen, I'm trying to see. I'm show y'all. They're doing this. Um, the zip line, like literally right above my head. And then oh, you and oh, oh, you and oh, oh, you want a strip? You want a strip? Yeah. You I'm old. You and old. Come on. Listen. You know, I always on a strip. I always got to be where it's happening. We got um our room. You know, actually, we can see Planet Hollywood and uh, the parents and yeah. stuff. So you know, just. Gotta be, gotta be in the thick of Y'all got a hotel or y'all got a B&B? No, we at the Mirage. Oh, the Mirage, okay, the Mirage is nice. Yeah. Yeah, we have to, now, um, my sister's cousins, they did get an Airbnb, that's about 20 um, minutes away from here, but I was like, yo, let's, you know, be on the strip, let's be where it's happening, so we can literally come out of the door and then everything is right there, so. Right, it makes sense. At, and especially with everything, so I know that, um, especially Fred, because Fred is always up on everything. But because mm-hmm. of the pandemic from last year, there is a shortage on car rentals because a lot of the car rental companies sold off their fleet to stay afloat. Yo, when you do the research, like if you're going to hot spots like Florida, even Vegas, some rental um, companies are charging up, upward of $400 a day. Shit. Whoa. Exactly. 
Exactly. I'm like, I'll be walking. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, we man, they got shuttles, they got Ubers and cabs. Right, Uber and Lyft would be my middle name. They got all of that. Uber, cab, everything. But wait, so we go to the um, packaging oh, store. That was a day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, in certain places. So we go to the packaging store, then we go to the dispensary, right? Uh-huh. The dispensary is off uh-huh. the hook. <laughs> off the chain. It was crazy. Like Which one I, did I you said, go to? Oh my goodness. It begins with the P. It, it almost looks like Pisces P I S O S, something like that. I can't remember. You gotta go to Mad MedMen. I wonder if that's MedMen. Yeah, MedMen. Yeah, yeah, that's where you gotta go. I wonder if that's the dispensary that's close to that uh, pawn shop that be on TV. There's a uh, there's a pawn shop that has a sitcom. It's like on H. It's on. I don't know if it's on HGTV, but it's really famous. And right next to it is a dispensary. And what? Well, it was MedMen or. I don't know. I, 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 Cause that's the one that I went to last time when I went to Vegas. Yeah, y'all live, y'all live your life. <laughs> y'all live your life. You know, she live her life. We can't, say, we can't say that too loud. My wife, she listen. My wife is on a mission. My wife is on a mission. When it comes, I messed my camera up, y'all. So. But I just wanted to say hello because I can't even see myself now. I can't even see y'all. I don't know what I did. I don't even know ladies if y'all can and hear me. Ladies and gentlemen, Tamara is super duper lit. <laughs> like, it's I don't know what I'm doing, right? I'm, I'm waiting. I should see this drink. It is the slushy business with some, um, it's a line and it has. Oh, it's a long um, line too, right? Ba- it's a long line. It's on, the it. le- it's on the left side, right? Huh? on the left side. I, I think I know what you're talking about. It's a, it's yeah, a, it is it's on the left. Slushies. Yeah, it's on, yes, it's the it is on the left spot. side. It's next to the pizza spot. Yes, right next to the pizza shop, right? Uh, yep. <laughs> I mean, straight lit. Yes, they were all out of cherry, so I had to get the line. Oh, you got one already? Yeah, come on, absolutely. And I got and all I right. got my cu- my chocolate-covered almond in my purse. <laughs> oh, you is not playing. You got the goodie. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the shenanigans is real. Listen, the shenanigans are real, real. They are real, real. So I just wanted to say, hey, I love you guys. I can't wait to see you all Um, soon, soon, soon. I'm afraid we have to get together. Um, And um, y'all, and then we got to get together anyway. I got to, you know, um, call you to see kind of what's going on, you know, with the other side of things. But we will chat. Yeah. Right. Word. Okay. And I'll actually right. be in Buffalo next weekend too. Really? You see, I won't. I'm not there until June nine. Oh, you out out. Yeah. <laughs> you you out. out. <laughs> you ain't out out. Yeah, June nine. So. You're gonna, but we're we'll, on a whole Beyonce tour. Listen, wait, but then so I'm back Monday, and then I leave two days later. I'm in Jamaica, so. Jamaica, um, I'll be there next week, the same day. So no, yeah, get, then I get off this, get off this damn call. I'm hating on you now. Get <laughs> off this damn call. right. Get off the damn Listen, call. I'm gonna call y'all. Love you guys. Bye. Love you too. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, the Liberated Project chick and all her glory. 
just gave us just gave us some life <laughs> you know i did not want to disclose her 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 whereabouts because that is not my business too but she did it herself and she's Uh living her best life and i i i am not right now i mean i i I am living a part of a best life because you know i am you know expecting uh you know my latest edition to be arriving this month you know So, you know, so my wife, we're very eager, you know, to receive our newest bundle of joy, you know, to the to the house. But that that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother thing, whole nother topic, a whole nother day. You know, so Nas, did we did we kind of wrap up the last conversation? I think we did. Right. Yeah, we wrapped up. It was just that one thing that you forgot. I don't know. So I got it. So so I got it. Okay, I got it. So the last part. Uh, when we talk about solutions, right, is I always thought that someone should create an organization of leaders that would create a black agenda for the school itself. Mm-hmm. So, so something sort of like Let's say the 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 talented tenth of these student clubs and organizations. So the presidents or the vice presidents of each club or each organization, fraternity, sorority, right? They would become a part of this this uh, council of leadership that every year they will come together in the beginning of the year and they would create, formulate and discuss a black agenda or a black or brown agenda for the class or for the school in itself moving forward. So like you would have all these presidents or vice presidents all at one table with one agenda, you know, and that agenda is to create items that they want to address that fiscal year and making sure that they had action steps to be successful in achieving those goals. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. whether or not it's, um, you know, about uh, uh, making awareness about the lack of uh, people of color that are faculty and staff on campus, or whether it is trying to drive home an initiative to increase, you know, uh, to increase the activity of uh, black and brown Greek life on campus, or whether it is about policing on campus or surveillance and security on campus and what that looks like for black and brown students. There needs, it's kind of like how NPHC has their council of leadership. Well, I believe that Buffalo State should have a council of leadership, uh, but not just with fraternities and sororities, but with all um, leadership uh, organizations on campus that uh, that are rooted in black and brown uh, students. So that, yeah, that's and well, I, well, I definitely do like that. Um, I think that for me, like I would just want to make sure that everybody you know, gives an equal contribution because I feel like just because like 
I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I do think that that is a great idea. Like I said, I'm just more focused on the equal contribution because, you know, um, I've been in plenty of meetings, you know, in plenty of situations. And I remember when, when I was on campus, I think this was my senior year when um, when we did that protest. I don't know if you remember that, that, mm-hmm. that little protest that we did. I forgot yeah. what it was about. It was so long ago. Um, but I remember we did that. And we gathered all the people who, who who we thought that would be able to, you know, put that effort in, you know, and to be able to protest for um, for the reason that we were protesting for. But then when we gathered all the people, people were just dropping like flies, just dropping, 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 dropping. I remember, you know, it was so funny because I was going through my groupie and I ran through that um, that that group chat and I noticed how like you know we were talking and they was basically saying like it was a whole bunch of people that I left and it was like I like who who else want to leave because you know every, you know the other people that I was there was very you know stern and assertive about what exactly what we wanted to do and I remember there was only like a handful of us we went to Rockwell and we were going we, we, we were you know protesting and everything and stuff you know and you know, and, you know, we were able to really stand for what we were doing, but I don't think it was enough to make that attention to be vocalized. And we sat with the college officials and everything, you know, so I felt like, I know definitely like my class for sure has definitely been like, put that step forward to being able to, um, you know, to, exemplify our concerns about some of the things that were going on on campus and you know so now that I look back at now now that we've been at the the provost's office we've been at the president's office you know talking about these things right but then still nothing to happen there's no motivation to be able to still into things because then now when you know this is out of your control my first thought is it's a political thing at this point now because now it's just like it doesn't matter what we do it's it, it it's it's going to be handled the way that the people who are in charge is going to be able to handle it see but see that's when that's when i push back because not everybody is designed to fight this fight okay Right. So even if I'm asking, give me your presidents or give me your vice presidents, they can say, listen, I'm not the one for this fight, but I have somebody that is and I can refer them to you. Right. And, you know, if they could be an asset towards this table of leadership, you know, then let's do it. Also, another thing is, is that things like this have happened before where organizations come together and they, you know, they talk about their issues and all, and it becomes a screaming match. Right. Um, right. It becomes meeting heavy. Like we got to meet every day or every week. No, no, there will be probably two set times that you'll meet probably within the course of the year. You know what I'm saying? Once in the fall, once in the spring. You know what I'm saying? Anything in between, anything in between that is either with regards to activity or promotion. That's it. But other than that, like there is no, no programming, right? None of that, because that's not what the intent is. The intent is to create 
an agenda for all the clubs of color, right? To stand by and to and to contribute, as you say, contribute towards these action items on this agenda. So you would ask, what is it this year that we want to do in order for us to ensure that the institution is giving us, us being students of color, what we need to not only survive, but thrive in the school. Like what, you know what I'm saying? So that that's, I can go deeper into it, but those are my two things. Right. Those are my. Two. Well, yeah. I mean, and and I, and I agree, and I and I do think that you know when you said that you know not everybody's going to be willing to fight this fight or even be able to fight this fight. I wholeheartedly agree because everybody has their own um, position when it comes to dealing with adversity and dealing with things that you know that are at stake. So you know, um, I just think for me that you know if that's something that you know that that can be implemented. Um, I just think that, you know, because people, when, when they see a small group of people doing something, it's not as influential as you may think it may be. Right. But, um, you know, when they see everybody getting together, that's when it becomes a lot more influential. And you see it in many different situations. You know, when if someone's party in the middle of the, to the another dance floor and they see, and you know, somebody else gets to the middle and then other people get in the middle and everybody's in the middle, you know, because they, it's, you know, it, it's not the same interaction when it comes to dealing with things when, you know, you don't deal with it when you, I mean, you deal with it, you know, in, in life, but like, you're not going to deal with that directly when you're out of school that does specific things that you may not be okay with. So I think that, you know, like it's great to do that. Um, I just think, like I said, it's just more about the execution or people being about it and and saying what they mean and meaning what they say when it comes to committing to things like that. Right. And saying that, you know, I'm willing to be able to, you know, to to be a part of the number and be able to, um, to be a part of that, you know, that push or that, you know, that team that's going to be able to do X, Y, and Z for this campus. But like I said before, it's hard to be able to do things for this campus if the campus is already not providing anything for you that you can benefit from. I, I don't like, you know, like, like you said, we speak about HBCUs. It will be easier for, for like, you know, for some, for, for HBCU um, student body to be able to come on one accord because that culture is created. So I just feel like it's all about being able to establish that, that foundation at the school to be able to say, okay, at the end of the day, there's a whole bunch of things going, but one thing that we could all stand on and is this unity that we have. And I don't feel like that's at Buffalo State. So I feel like that can be possible, but I feel like the work is twice as, no, I don't want to say hard, but I feel like it will be, you have to put in twice amount of work to do something because it's no influence. Yeah, it's no effort because it's no influence. Yeah, yeah. Telling you, brother, listen, man, this, that's, that, that in itself has been, on my mind and heartstrings for the past what two three years and uh i really think i'm going to probably execute that idea but that's a conversation for another time um next topic i think last topic right last topic Mm -hmm. um so how we want to bring this one up 
Yeah, yeah. I, listen, okay. I, I'm a, the only way I know how to. I would like to give some time and attention to our beloved. I won't call her an ancestor yet, but our beloved Sanaya Dennis. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sanaya Dennis, a 19-year-old girl uh, at Buffalo State, um, was announced to be missing or pronounced to be missing um, and she has been missing for I believe 12 days now and there has been growing speculation with regards to how and why she's missing um, there's a lot of stories there's a lot of lies there's a lot of speculation out there with regards to this situation um, I know that the family is definitely frustrated and distraught and distraught and angry and have no confidence in the local law enforcement uh, law enforcement with the school um, they have reason to believe that as well um, given the fact of me listening to the press conference that was held at Buffalo State if you have not listened to that you need to um, you can find it and you will understand what I'm talking about with regards to why this family does not feel that the school cares or law enforcement does not care and that there is a lack of competence when it comes to this investigation. Um, it has also been brought up that this daughter belongs to a celebrity. The celebrity being a rapper uh, by the name of 40 Cal, who is affiliated with Dipset out of Harlem, New York, which that in itself provided a lot of legs and the word spread very fast. And I will have to say that Buffalo State has been on the national news. Buffalo State has been on The Breakfast Club. Buffalo, uh, Buffalo Shut up, really? I am not playing with you, Nas. Buffalo State was on The Breakfast Club. I saw it yesterday. Oh, I gotta watch. Yes, they saw it yesterday. They were on Good Morning America. They were on ABC Oh, yeah, I know that. News. Mm. You know, so Buffalo State, like I said, and, and before you got on the, sh uh, on the pod, Nas, I mentioned to the audience that Buffalo State within the last two, three weeks has not had the best reputation. You know, it's been taking blow after blow after blow, you know, from the, the, the racial injustices to now this, right? And um, I want to be careful with what I'm talking about because one, I don't want our audience to feel um, 
that we're gossiping about this. And I also don't want the family to feel as if we know something that they should know. Thank you for that disclaimer. Right, because we we don't. Um. So, Miss Dennis, I don't want I don't want us to talk about the details of the case. Oh, we can, you know, you know, with regards to what we've heard. Um. But. What I do want to talk about briefly is how missing persons are being treated and the lack of attention that is being given towards cases like this. And I want to preface my comments by saying this, I do understand that missing person cases happen every day. Literally every day. They happen every day. At Buffalo State, happens all the time. I am aware of that. But in this case, this is the this is the extreme case that you did not want to happen. Mm-hmm. And Buffalo State really put themselves in a rut publicly because in terms okay so have you ever heard from law enforcement that they have to keep things under under the umbrella because they don't want to sacrifice the integrity of the case have you ever heard of that Nas? I think so yes okay so that's not a taboo thing Right. And for some people, if they don't know that, then yes. You know, with some people who who haven't been in that situation or don't know any information about that, no. Right. So I think out of all of this, the biggest issue that is lurking is the fact that transparency is not available in this case. And what I mean by that is I don't believe that the local law enforcement and its cooperating agencies were clear with regards to how they would share information with the family. I think that the family and rightfully so, because if I was this family, I would want to know this too. I think the family assumed that law enforcement would update them every day, every hour about what's going on, or they would include them in this investigation. Um, and given, I think there was false, a false intent in doing so. And did you did you listen to the press conference on, um, that was held at Buffalo State with the family? No, I, I I've seen like the part where they like the parents were speaking, but not in not in its entirety though. And so it's, if you could give like a like a background of it, that would be great. In its entirety, because I won't go blow for blow with it, but 
let's just say that the person, the agent that was speaking on the behalf of Buffalo State dropped the ball. I truly believe that. I believe that the most that this person should have said or done was the fact that we are conducting an investigation. It is not it is not closed. We have different parties involved that are trying to help out. This is a missing persons. um, This is a missing persons investigation. And that is it. But now you go into trying to answer specific questions and you make you make you 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 fall on your face because you're not answering the questions. And then on top of that, the answers that you are providing, according to the family, isn't true. So you're ridiculed every time you open your mouth. Every time. And so what false information that they stated so there was information about everything from helicopters to canine units to outside outside agents working with this case at that particular time and when I say false, I'm talking about misinforming. So pa- the parents, the family did not know about these things. Oh, Apparently, prior to. Right. They did not oh, know about okay. these initiatives that the local officers were trying to do to try to help solve this case. And that was publicly stated at the press conference. Like, you just have to hear it for yourself. And when and I'm not the only one that, you know, that has heard this, that are colleagues of mine that feel this way, too. Mm-hmm. And which which justifies why this father feels the way he does. Because this father is like, yo, they don't care if this was someone else's daughter. And when he said that, he said, you know what I'm talking about. If this was someone else's daughter, this will be a completely different situation. We will be having a very different conversation. And that hit the heartstrings, you know, that hit that hit those heart chords, man. Because, oh, because you know, I, I'm a father. Right. I have two sons and I'm about to have two daughters. I have a wife. I have a niece. I have goddaughters. I have adopted daughters from the school. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I put myself in those shoes and I ask myself what I feel the same way he does. Absolutely. Like every time that this official would open his mouth and say something about this case, it was always interrupted with, no, you're not telling the truth or you're not telling the people what they need to know. You know what I'm saying? And I also have a counter 
to this as well from a police perspective, because I spoke to a couple of folks of mine that are in law enforcement that specifically that are detectives. And their their take on this is very interesting, too. You know, but before I get to that point, the situation with the family and justifying why they feel the way they feel, it is because of the fact that when this person opened their mouth and they start talking about the case, it seemed to the public that this person didn't know what the hell he was talking about. And it caused great concern, not only from the public, but especially with the family. Now the family is like, hold on, you're not doing enough. Hold on, you said you was doing this. Wait a minute, when was you doing this? And we didn't know about this. We on the, like, I mean, the, the, the family's like, we're out there every day with people we don't know that is trying to help us find our daughter. What are you doing? Now, I digress from that, and now I'm about to flip the coin. Here is the perspective from the police. We go back to the integrity of the case. The police and and students and, and for our audience, just want you to open your ears and open your minds and try to take the emotion out. Just try. If you can't, I understand. But try to take the emotion out and listen to the rationale. According to the cops, when there is an investigation going on, they keep it secret to protect the integrity of the case. So if any information comes out about this case and it hits the public, that's how rumors start misinformation begins rumors and lies and things like that start to come around and we saw a lot of that with this case there were a lot of things that were said misinformation uh, you know that was presented and it grew legs and us in the public that don't really know what's happening with the case is talking about things that we really don't know we're now we're speculating now we're trying to put the puzzle pieces together ourselves, right? And law enforcement is trained to keep their mouth shut until they find sufficient evidence to talk about. Another thing, another hard reality about this case is the fact that it's instead of a criminal case it is a missing persons case now the difference between the two obviously is the intent and the level of effort if the missing person case becomes criminal if it becomes criminal that's when other agencies are obligated to become invested in the case, such as detective work, canine units, helicopters, FBI, CI, you know what I'm saying? All kinds of different agencies are now involved in this. But I believe personally, because this case picked up legs and became a national thing, law enforcement was pressured to get these other agencies involved. 
That makes a lot of sense. I'm saying because think about it, Buffalo State's in the public eye, Buffalo's in the public eye. This family is attacking the mayor. And I understand because listen, if my daughter, if my daughter, my sons, my wife, anybody comes up missing, and I understand that the leader of Buffalo is a black man or a black person, yo, I need your help. Right, exactly. But the reality of that is, is that how can he help outside of just morally supporting you? Because some people may think that they can pull strings and in order for them to kind of do what they need to do. You know, when when you when your child is miss, missing, you do whatever that you can. If you got to go to the mayor, knock on their door and say, like, listen, I need you to help. I need you to help my help me find my child. I don't know what you can do, but at least do something. Right. Not knowing that, you know, that there may be a limited, uh, you know, unlimited access to what he can do. But when you're panicking like that, when you can feel the shoes that they fit in that moment, you would never understand. Right. How would they how would they feel? You know, so going to anybody is their only option right. because they can't pick and choose where to go to because that's limited your your um you know that experience of being able to say like you know i could be able to see my child one day right you know and, and here's the thing man like it's it's not a secret for like on 40 cows instagram you know he's he's showed evidences of him trying to reach out to the mayor you know he showed him you know taking attempts and you know and trying to find his daughter and being on the ground and give us giving us a day by day in terms of what's going on you know what i'm saying and again as a father i agree with the intent right I agree because I, I probably would have done more. It probably would have been some John Q type shit where I'm holding okay. everybody for ransom. You know okay. what I'm saying? It probably would have been some I shit like that. Would be, you know that what I'm saying? My movie too. You know, but if you haven't seen John Q, go see it. But please do. Oh, but again, from a law enforcement perspective, and 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 let me make this clear: I don't agree with it. But I understand it. So what do you understand about it? I understand the fact that if they don't have any sufficient information, they're not going to tell you anything. If they don't but have... What about giving that updates, though? Like giving updates on it. And you don't got to tell me... What, updates are, what me. updates are there to give if there's nothing to give? I mean, but if we're having... But if we're having... if if. If this information has gone national, right? Yeah. And now, as you said before, now there's other agencies now putting their hands into the pot now. So now, since that is happening, there should be some type of here's what. We're doing. Now, now, now. We kind of lost you, Nas. We kind of lost you. Yeah, so you hear me? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, like, you know, when it comes to, you know, um, knowing about the clues, but then versus you telling me this is what we have been doing, at least give me 
some type of consideration that you have been putting the work into doing that. Because that, if you I, haven't I been putting in the work, then, then, what am, then what am I supposed to just sit, just sit on my ass and just now, be like, and hope that you do that? Now, audiences, let me be clear. What Nas just said, I completely agree with. Again, I'm a father. I want to be notified. I want to know. Keep me in, uh, keep, bring me with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I agree with that. However, also the hard truth is, is that there's nothing to report. What are they going to say to you? Now, here, now this is my counter. This is what I would have, this is what I would have liked to happen. If the police didn't have anything to report at, in those moments, at least an elected official, someone representing Buffalo should have reached out and and just and consulted with the like some local age somebody and and that's another thing we don't know if that's we don't know if that's true or not we don't know I'm just speculating because we don't know but some elected official somebody should have been close with that family because it's been, because someone. it has become such a national thing someone should have been assigned to be with that family all the time just nurturing and making sure they yep. have everything they need because yep. I know for a fact I, I would have wanted that yep it don't have to be the mayor it could be it, it could it could be a grassroots person someone someone who was connected politically with the city of Buffalo just to make sure that we are okay because we feel like we out here by ourselves Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And so that that's my counter. Here's another point. Talking with detectives, a lot of them feel that that press conference shouldn't like it, it shouldn't have happened. And if it did, the narrative should have been we're just doing an investigation. You know, we have we have local agencies that are trying to do their best to find this girl and keep it short and simple. Mm-hmm. Like, don't go into details about who did what at what time. And don't go into that. Right, because, because people are going to be looking for more information at that Right, point. because and, and what happens is, is that there was a can of worms that was open and now you being hazed up, you being hemmed up because now they want specifics. You know what I'm saying? So the integrity of the, that's what they mean by protecting, protecting the integrity of the case. Also in the same breath, can we talk about how like the president, listen, this is just my personal thing. I feel so sorry for the president because it is just tireless. Like she's just taking too many blows. Too many, but she didn't even ask for. She's taking too many blows, you know, unfairly. 
unjustly. Like, I get it. You're the president. It's going to fall on your watch anyway. But she didn't anticipate this. You sure I didn't. And I've heard the hate. I've heard the hate. You know, and I just want to let it be known that it's not fair to really ridicule this president who is trying her hardest to keep a community together who is who not only is trying to keep his people together but is also aware of the bullshit that's happening right and they and they hold her to such a high standard because of her title and not understanding wh- how how is it being received on her end say that one more time no, I was saying that people are not being cognizant of, like you said, all those blows and all those L's that she's taking of something that she did not anticipate or even contribute to. Right. And and then now when situations happen, they just gunning at her and not really understanding the the essence of how it's how it's received on her end. Right. Right. You know, it's 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 just all of this. I mean, students have their opinions and rightfully so. You know, today, you know, I was talking to a group of students. I was also talking to some folks on the team about this earlier today. And it's interesting how the narrative now the narrative has changed. So we just found out today that according to the investigation because the the DA FBI local agencies have been involved in this right there were canine units there were helicopters all kinds of stuff there you know finally there were folks on the ground that were able to professionally do the job my only my only grievance with that is that it took so long but i digress right like it, it shouldn't have taken it shouldn't have taken 11 days for people to really come up with these facts but okay um because that was one thing that detectives really stressed was the time time is of the essence the more time that passes the more the more the less hope you have in terms of really finding a person but then it took 11 days. So how is times of the essence though? That That's the question, right? But again, these are things, these are details that the public is asking, but we don't really know what's what really happened. We don't really know how far this investigation went. We don't know, you know, how long it really took. What we do know is what we've heard. What we do know is what's being speculated. What we do know is what this family is saying. You know what I'm saying? And right. we're, and we're mm-hmm. going just based off, and we're going based off what the, rightfully so, we're going based off what the family is saying. You know what I'm saying? That's what I went off of, off of. And now today, there's an official report from the DA saying that evidence is is leading towards the the narrative that she committed suicide. Well, I hope they tell the I hope they tell the family about the specific evidence that they found. So what happened is is that the K9 unit 
uh, took, they sniffed clothes and stuff like that from her residence hall. They took them to the falls and the dogs were led to a cliff. I think it's Luna Island or, or Goat Island, which is a part of the falls. And the dogs wanted to jump over the cliff because the scent was beneath the falls. Mm. So that gives the investigators the the conclusion that she might have committed suicide. A body has not been found as of yet, which is why the family is like, yo, stop saying that she committed suicide. We haven't found a body yet. Like they're trying to keep hope. And I understand that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we know, folks. That's what we know. Mm. That's what we know. But there's a lot. There's still a lot of gray area. There's still a lot of. I'm not trying to figure out the details. Honestly, I'm not. And when I say that, I'm not saying that in terms of being insensitive. I just want to know where she is. Is she alive or not? Yeah, that's what I would like to know because now when you're saying that someone is committing suicide, now that's that's just a make or break situation now. Right. Because now it's like if she committed suicide, then there's no point of us doing any type of investigation at this point because she killed herself, apparently, like allegedly. Right. You know, oh, and so I, just- I, I don't think that, you know, that's <laughs> it's really tough. So it's just a lot, man. It's, it's just a lot. And I just, again, I wanted to broach this conversation and I don't want to give too much time to it again, because we don't know the information. We only know what was presented to us. There's two sides. There's the families and then there's law enforcement. And then there's all of us, right? There's three sides. There's the law enforcement, there's the family, and then there's us speculating. We're only going based off of what we read and what we're hearing from the family. And that is something that I wanted to broach today and just wanted to bring out there and just talk about that. Listen, for those of you who know this girl or know people that know this girl, that know the family, my heart and my prayers are with you because the source, the the core problem is the fact that this girl, according to what we know or what we've heard, the core problem has to deal with a failed relationship. Yes, I heard that too. And this is a point that my wife and I, we were talking about today. And my, my actually my wife brought it up to me and it really clicked. Every one of us, every once in a while, has been has been or felt like that girl where our hearts have been broken. And because our hearts have been broken because of a person or a failed relationship, we feel like we need to break ourselves. And that's a that is that is a reality that is present today, yesterday, and will be in the future. Forevermore. It is always the elements of the heart that is often ignored. 
because we cover it up every day saying, you know, when someone asks you, how you doing? We say, oh, we good. I'm fine. When in all reality, you're not. I'll never forget. I heard a pastor tell the congregation, if someone asks you, how you doing? Tell them the truth and see the res- see the response. If if I were if you were to ask me today, Nas, how you doing, Fred? And I told you I'm not doing good. I'm not okay. I'm sad. I'm angry. If you were just any other person, Nas, you wouldn't know how to respond to that. Because your assumption is is that oh Fred is good. He's okay, but when Fred tells you that he's not okay and that things are bothering me, you're not prepared. You're not prepared to address those things. On my live today and and on my post, I mentioned about how it is so important to pay attention to people and to be in tune with those that you love or those that you work with or people that you're close with, to be in tune. Because you might hear something or see something or smell something and it's not right. And you have to follow your intuition. You have to follow that discernment and ask, are you okay? So the thing about, so, and it's funny because um, I was actually dealing with that situation today. And I did actually deal with it every day because with me being a school counselor, it's like I check on my students and a lot of them, a lot of them, you know, they're, they're honest and they say like, you know, I'm fine. But some of them, they just like, listen, like I'm not fine, you know, but some people, they're okay with that. But I think the issue that I have is the fact that even when even when I can see right through you that there's something that's going on and I'm very intuitive when it comes to body language and the and the fact that I know this love this person already, that I already know that something can at least possibly is going on. But even if even if that person even if that either that person says that they're okay, and it says they're not okay, they still don't, they still are reluctant to even say what's going on, especially when it comes to someone being possibly committing suicide because obviously the person, not saying obviously, but to me, the person who is feeling those suicidal thoughts, it's hard for them to come and tell people like that because they already know that they're gonna be talked out of it. They already know that that's that that the other person is going to be in opposition of it and tell you to, and try to talk you out of it or do whatever and stuff because at the same moment the as me feeling the suicidal thoughts I don't think that the person really understands mm-hmm. you know so it, it's hard to be able to be there for someone who says that they're okay when they're really not and they don't own up to it for themselves. 
they don't sit there and say, hey, listen, like, you know, some people, they, they, they don't sit there and just say, hey, like, I'm like, I'm not OK, because it's a sense of vulnerability, you know, and as a sense of pride, mm-hmm. you know, that you're letting go, that you're letting go and tell, and tell them, like, OK, this is what's going on. I don't give a fuck. Like, this is what's going on. And I just let it out. And some people, they feel either weak after that or if they feel relieved. But it's hard to be able to be there for someone when it comes to them not even being honest with themselves that they're okay. Right. And I just think that's my thing. And I, and, and it's hard for me because I am such a nurturing person. I'm such, such a nurturing person. And I don't want to step on nobody's toes and be like, no, no, tell me what's wrong. Like, you know, I see, like, I feel that something is going on and, and I'm itching, you know, and, and pushing for them to say anything. And I don't want to make them feel more uncomfortable than they already are mm-hmm. in the situation at that moment. You know, and it's hard for me to not do that. But as I'm learning, I'm learning how to be able to just allow people to be open on their own terms. And the only thing that I can really say and this is either in a relationship, friendship, family, friends, or whatever. And just say, hey, listen, all right, if everything's cool, then everything's cool. But if anything is not cool, you know, I'm here for you if you need me. Right. And that's what I noticed that I can only do and say, because I can't force it out of you because you are in control of everything that is going on. That's true. So I can't say and force it out of you and say, no, like, like, come on, now you can't be in that person. Like, come on, like, stop lying to me. Like, I see it all over your face. You're making that person subconsciously, subconsciously feel a lot more uncomfortable than you think that they are. Right. You know, so it's just, you know, it's great to be able to, you know, to feel um, that body language and be intuitive when it comes to seeing, when you seeing someone that you love and know that there's something that's going on. You know, but at the same time, it's like you, the only thing that you can do is your part by being able to say, hey, listen, I'm here if you need anything. And they they can never say that you never even try to be there to support them. I bring that up and I want to close with this. I bring, I bring that up because and Nas, everything that you said right now is factual because it's your truth, right? You know, but not only that, it's, it's the truth amongst everybody else. You know what I'm saying? But the only thing, the only thing that I would challenge for us to do more of is for the people that we're close to, we we can't just always assume that people are okay. I think that's my only thing, you know, because it's being proven that everybody's not. And like you said, the most that we can do is our part. And sometimes that part is just being there or being available. You know, I think about this girl in the report and the reporter says that she reached out to people. She reached out to this alleged boyfriend 50 times, 50 plus times. And he wouldn't take her calls. He wouldn't respond to her. 
and she was so distraught by that that she started thinking these thoughts. Audience, I'm sorry. Like, this is a very sensitive subject. I know it is. But I'm not afraid to talk about this. We have... We have to... When I say be in tune... We all have this thing in us where we feel something is wrong or something is right. And sometimes we have to trust that feeling and go with it. And sometimes that feeling, it could could save somebody, man. That's why, like, in my video, I encourage folks, yo, listen, just reach out to people and just be like, yo, how you doing? You know, and of course, you're going to get those, oh, fine, I'm good, okay, all right, yo, I'm just just letting you know that I'm here for you. Letting you know I'm here for you, I care about you, man. You know, like, you just, they be like, yo, you all right, man, you good? Yeah, I'm fine, man, I'm just letting you know. Just letting you know, man, like, this is my intent. You my boy, you my homie. You're my homegirl, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm just letting you know, man, like I'm here for you. Sometimes people need that confirmation that they have support for folk, from people. They just need to hear that. And that's all I really want to say about that. To the family of Sanaya Dennis, I hope, my hope is that you find whatever it is that you're finding that you find closure and, and with that closure comes peace whatever form that looks like and um, as as a professional as a character as a person I just want everybody know that I care about you I hope you care about me and you have access to me, <laughs> you know, you have access to me. So, and, um, Nas, I care about you. You know, I care about the team, of course, you know, and this, this, with this reality, it's just really opened up my eyes to the fact, man, that life is short. And while we are here, I think our number one goal, man, is not only to live out our purpose, but to do it in love. So, and that's the business that I'm in. And I'll end at that. Ladies and gentlemen, it is 1.36 in the morning. It is 1.36 in the morning. Nas got work. I got work in the morning. You know, it is your favorite campus uncle. It is for the love of, man. You can check us out um, on our Instagram, uh, FTLO uh, under, underscore. And, um, you know, we put posts up often. We broach conversations all the time. 
there is no filter in these conversations but everything that we, but everything we do talk about is our opinions and either you get right or you get left in the words of our sister in pain struggle and victory you know the liberated project check who is living her best life right now <laughs> mind you it's like nine o'clock and ten o'clock over there yes I have I I have stories about Vegas and they're not good because of the time difference. <laughs> and my ass was asleep. <laughs> Especially with that heat. That dry heat. Yes. But ladies and gentlemen, until next time, we are out of here. Peace. So